You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Monday to you. We've got a lot to catch up here today on the podcast. The Bills signed two players since the last time we spoke, running back Matt Breida and wide receiver slash punt returner Brandon Powell. And there's been a ton of other newsy items that have come out regarding the Bills some Christian Wade news, several players that have been in for visits, some contract updates, some former Bills signing with other teams. So we've got a lot to cover here on a Monday. Let's start with what I think is the biggest story since the last time we spoke, and that is the signing of running back Matt Breida. He comes to the Bills on a one-year deal. He's a former Miami Dolphin and San Francisco 49ers running back. 26 years old. He actually just turned 26 in February. And he was an undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern, where he had a really good career across three seasons. He rushed for 3,740 yards, 6.9 yards per carry, and 22 touchdowns. He also caught 22 passes for 156 yards and three touchdowns across his college career. And this dude had an amazing start to his career, really productive his first two seasons. Then his last year, Georgia Southern's coach, they hired a new coach, and they transitioned to a triple option rushing offense, and his production really took a hit. But when they were running a traditional, regular offense, Matt Breida was really dynamic for Georgia Southern. This guy is a crazy good athlete. He's very, very explosive. He measures five foot nine, 195 pounds, ran a 4.38 40-yard dash, a 4.34 short shuttle, a 6.85 three-cone drill, a 42-inch vertical, 11-foot, 2-inch broad jump, and he got 23 bench press reps of 225 pounds. So those are outstanding testing numbers, and it really backs up the player that you watch on tape. I mean, this guy has all kinds of speed. Let's talk a little about the career that he's put together so far. His first three seasons were spent in San Francisco as a complimentary back. Uh, The 49ers like to get multiple backs involved, and so Breida factored into the mix, which is pretty impressive given he was an undrafted free agent and he found production really early in his NFL career. Across his first three seasons with the 49ers, in 43 games, he rushed for 1,902 yards, six rushing touchdowns, averaged five yards per carry. He also had 67 catches for 561 yards, and four touchdowns. So pretty good production there as a number two back with the 49ers in his first three seasons in the NFL. And then he was traded to the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins traded a fifth-round pick for Breida, and he was there for one season, and it didn't go great. So last year in Miami, they were planning on the one-two punch of Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Howard was going to be the banger between the tackles, the downhill physical runner, And Breida was going to give him the speed option, the guy that can catch the football and really challenge the perimeter. It didn't go well. And I think partly that is because the offensive line wasn't right in Miami. And they started three rookies on that offensive line. And 
Matt Breida, his success in the NFL came as a wide zone runner. In Miami, it's Chan Gailey's offense, which is horizontal spread passing game with a physical gap power rushing attack. So you had a wide zone runner fitting into a power run scheme that when they tried to go wide zone, they didn't have the athletes at tackle or at guard to really work laterally and create those creases for him. So I I think a lot of Breida's lack of success in Miami really stemmed from not having the right offensive line for the style of offense they wanted to play. Also, he had two bad fumbles with the Dolphins. They were um, costly. One of them was against the Buffalo Bills. So I think that put him in the doghouse pretty early in the season. And so when you think about kind of not having the right pieces around him to maximize his talent from both a personnel perspective and a scheme perspective, and then also he had those early fumbles, he never really you know took off in Miami. But he comes to the Bills, and um, I think it's a good opportunity for him to claim a role and add a dynamic to the offense that doesn't exist. What does he bring? We've talked about it. Speed and receiving skills. This is a guy that can catch a football, and he can hit the long ball. And that's something that, as you know, the Bills are missing from their current running back situation. Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, they're both downhill runners that lack the real speed to work to the perimeter, to corner the defense, and really hit the long ball. And so this gives the Bills another dimension in the backfield and one that I thought they needed pretty desperately. If you guys recall, as we were talking about different free agent options for the Bills, Matt Breida was a name that I brought up in the running back discussion, and he's exactly the type of investment I was hoping they would make to go with Moss and Singletary. So now within this group, you have a speed and receiving threat that was previously missing. There's also a chance that he could fill the kick returner role. He doesn't have a ton of experience doing it, but he does have some experience. In 2017 for the 49ers, they had him return five kicks. He gained 83 yards. And in college, he had five returns for 92 yards in three seasons. So that's it. In his life, in the college level and the pro level, he's been given 10 opportunities to serve as a kick returner. That's not a lot, but at least he's been given the opportunity. And I think as you look at the Bills and the makeup of the roster and the options they have right now, you might think of Matt Breida as one of the options for them at kick returner. Not a lock. He's never been given a chance to return a punt. I think that's probably for a reason. So I'm not counting on him as the uh, the do-it-all return guy like and- uh, Andre Roberts was, but I think there is a chance that he can add value to the team as a kick return option. So how does he fit into this running back room? Well, on the roster is Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Taiwan Jones, Matt Breida, Antonio Williams, and Christian Wade. It's interesting. Because you think the Bills are going to keep four running backs. Well, I think they're probably going to keep Moss and Singletary. They brought back Taiwan Jones for a reason. They love him on special teams and for leadership. I think he's in. Your RB4 is probably Matt Breida. So here's the real question. Who dresses on game day? Because Taiwan Jones is going to dress for special teams. Is Matt Breida just the new TJ Yeldon? Insurance policy? on the bench but doesn't dress and it's the Moss and Singletary show or are they willing to make either Devin Singletary or Zach Moss inactive to give Breed an opportunity to play 
the wild card here is if they actually keep a seventh wide receiver, which they typically don't. They always keep six, so I'm not sure why we're even talking about it, but it's just hard for me to see a path where Moss, Singletary, Jones, and Breida are all active on game day. Injuries happen. This stuff usually takes care of itself, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's There's not a clear course or a clear path forward in my mind for all four of those guys to be active on game days. We'll see. It'll be interesting. I like I like the skill set. I like how he fits into this group. But my next question is, all right, got a game to play on Sunday. Who dresses? Because if you don't dress Brita, you're right back to where you were. You don't have speed, and you don't have that receiving threat. So that's kind of an interesting layer to this discussion that I don't think there's an easy answer for right now, but it's something to monitor. So at the end of the day, do I like the deal? Do I like the move to bring in Matt Breida for a one-year minimum deal? I absolutely do. I alluded to this earlier. This is the type of investment I was hoping the Bills would make at running back. I don't think this takes running back off the table in the first round. If they're in on Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, Matt Breida on a one-year deal for the league minimum doesn't preclude that from happening. But what this does do is it continues the path that Brandon Bean has been on to go into the draft without any glaring needs. He doesn't have to at any point in the draft say, I got to find a running back with speed and pass-catching ability to round out my backfield. Whether that's Travis Etienne in the first round, Michael Carter on day two, Javian Hawkins on day three. Doesn't have to do anything like that. So Brandon Bean continues to plot out his path to go into the draft with maximum flexibility and no glaring needs. You got to love this man running this football team. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Matt Breida was not the only player added to the roster since the last time we spoke. The Buffalo Bills also agreed to terms with Brandon Powell, a wide receiver slash kick returner. They came to terms on a one-year deal. He's 25 years old. He turns 26 in September, originally an undrafted free agent out of the University of Florida. He originally latched on with the Detroit Lions, where he spent the 2018 season. He was on the Lions all through the 2019 offseason and was cut just before the start of the season, and he then signed with the Atlanta Falcons, where he was in 2019 and 2020. Looking at his career in 2018 with the Lions, he played in six games, had 11 catches on 17 targets for 129 yards. He had no production in 2019. And then in 2020, last year with the Falcons in 15 games, he he caught 12 passes on 18 targets for 69 yards and two touchdowns. Most notably, he was the primary returner for Atlanta 
in 2020. So how'd he do in that role? He had 17 punt returns for 152 yards. That's an average of 8.9 yards. And as a kick returner, he had 17 kick return attempts, 343 yards. That's an average of 20.2. More important than averages when it comes to returners are decision-making and ball security. And I have not went back and watched the tape on Brandon Powell to understand how good of a decision-maker he is, but he did a good job handling the football. In 44 fielded punts so far in the NFL, that's fair catch and returns, zero muffed punts, which is good. That's not a large sample size. 44 fielded punts is not a lot, but he has no muffs. He did have two muffs in 27 fielded punts in college at Florida. So in 71 fielded punts, both in the NFL and college, he has a total of two muffs, but perfect so far when it comes to the 44 fielded punts in the NFL. So let's look back at his time at Florida. He was a four-star recruit. He had a pretty modest career for the Gators. 45 catches in 2016 as a junior, 42 as a senior in 2017, and his yards per catch was pretty disappointing. Only 9.1 yards per catch. That's extremely low. Um, five foot eight, 181 pounds. So he's a smaller guy, and he's not super explosive. So you, you saw those low per catch statistics, and when you look at his athletic profile, it makes a lot of sense. So 5'8", 181, ran a 4.59 40-yard dash, 32-inch vertical jump, and a 9'7 broad jump. Those are disappointing times for an undersized wide receiver that you want to specialize in the return game. Now, he did have some decent agility scores when it comes to the three-cone and the short shuttle drill. As far as the short shuttle, a 4.15 short shuttle and a 6.88 three-cone, which are good numbers. So he's not explosive. He's quicker then he is fast, and I think his output so far in his career, both at Florida and the NFL, really kind of backs that up. So what is his path to the roster? It's going to be challenging for Powell. I think he has to win the return job. He has to convince this coaching staff that he's the best man to be the punt returner and the kick returner, that he can replace the role Andre Roberts filled last year. I think that's going to be challenging. So how does he do that? How does he win the return job? He's going to have to prove that he's elite at fielding the football and handling the football and making good decisions with the football because he isn't the same home run threat as an Isaiah McKenzie in the punt return game or Matt Breida in the kick return game based on speed alone. It's going to be challenging for him because you're not just going to put a less dynamic guy, a guy that has less home run threat ability back there if he's also going to be a shaky ball handler. If you're going to put a shaky ball handler back there, then they surely better be able to hit the long ball. So we'll see. Obviously, I've already communicated this. I still hold my breath when it comes to Isaiah McKenzie fielding punts. And it's not like any of these guys have a ton of kick return experience. Right now, if, if it were me, I'm going to put Isaiah McKenzie in the mix at punt returner, Brandon Powell's in the mix, and if neither one of those guys prove to me that they can make the right decisions and cleanly handle the football, I'm just going to put Micah Hyde back there and ask him to go fair catch the damn thing. Because I'll tell you what, like I have no patience for 
muffed punts and fumbles. I need 17 to get the ball back. And ideally, him to have the ball back with the best possible field position. But I'll start with just having the ball back. We can work out the rest from there. But I'll tell you what, Andre Roberts created a a security from that position that is rare. A guy that can do kick return and punt return and always cleanly handle the football and always make smart decisions. I mean, he's a rare dude. And um, there's options now, right? Powell's here. Breida can do some kick return. Isaiah McKenzie's back. There's starting to be some options. But it's going to take some time for these guys to win me over and trust them like I did Andre Roberts. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every single bar. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness, and there's a tournament with all the flavors. It's been going on here to figure out which one is the best. Today's matchup, Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. It's a tight one for me, but I'll tell you what, this coconut brownie chunk is really incredible. That's my pick today. If you want to vote, go to BuiltBar.com or find Built Bar on Twitter to vote for your choice. And remember to use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. To close out the podcast today, I want to address 12 different newsy items that have come up uh, over the last three, four, five days that we haven't addressed here on the podcast, a wide range of topics, but they all relate to the Buffalo Bills. Let's start with Christian Wade. Sal Capaccio of WGR 550 put on the Twitter timeline uh, some updated information about the International Pathway Program. Let me read to you his tweet. Sal said, so here's something. The NFL has extended their International Pathway Program for players in it to have a third year. So Bills running back Christian Wade now once again has an exemption on the roster and the practice squad, basically in the exact situation he's been in the last two years. Wade can still make the team. The Bills can bring 91 players to camp with Wade as the exemption, unless, of course, the NFL reduces their roster limits like they did last year due to COVID. So Christian Wade's in this exact same situation that he's been in. He's either going to make the team or... The Bills will have to release him, he can clear waivers, and then he can be put on the practice squad. And there's two different types of designations he can have on the practice squad. Number one, he's on the regular practice squad like everyone else, and he can be signed to another team's active roster, he can be signed to the Bills' active roster. Or he can be put on the exempt practice squad, which means he's on the Bills' practice squad all year, and he is not able to be elevated to the Bills' active roster, and he cannot be signed off of the Bills practice squad by another team. I don't feel comfortable guaranteeing that the Bills will put Christian Wade on the practice squad as the exempt extra player, but it feels extremely likely. I mean, the Bills basically get an extra body that other teams don't to be on their practice squad to fill that type of role, but also give Christian Wade that opportunity to continue learning the game. I think that's what you'll see happen with Christian Wade. Unless, I mean, of course, he's developed and he performs at a level that forces Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott 
to put him on their active roster. We'll see, but I think there's a very strong chance he winds up on the practice squad as an exempt player. Moving along here, the Bills hosted free agent safety Sean Davis for a visit, spent his career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was a draft pick out of Maryland. Super physical player, brings value on special teams. Um, Kind of interesting that they had him in for a visit. Maybe this signals that Dean Marlowe isn't a lock to be back on the team. He's currently an unrestricted free agent uh, that is free to sign with any team. We always kind of get used to Dean Marlowe being around, being that third safety, um, been with Sean McDermott for a long, long time. But, you know, they hosted Sean Davis for a visit, and that at least signals to me that there's a chance that Dean Marlowe might not be back and that Sean Davis is being looked at as a potential replacement. So we'll see on that. Nothing's happened with Davis as of the recording of this podcast, but to me, it gives me a little bit of doubt about Dean Marlowe's status with the team. The Bills also hosted free agent running back Tyler Irvin. He's kind of a speed, pass-catching return threat, um, and they signed Matt Breida. So I think what happened here is they looked at Breida and Irvin, settled on Breida, and uh, Tyler Irvin, I think, would be unlikely at this point for him to sign with the Bills, but I, I really do think that's what happened here. They looked at Irvin and Breida and went with Breida. We have the terms on the Isaiah McKenzie contract. It's a one-year, $1.15 million deal, a league minimum type deal. Uh, so McKenzie, you know, he stays with the Buffalo Bills for a very, very low salary. I'm kind of surprised he maybe didn't get, you know, a little bit more somewhere else. But if you listen to his press conference, Isaiah McKenzie did not want to go play anywhere. I think he actually said that the Bills could pay him in candy, and uh, he wanted to be back. So it's good to see Isaiah McKenzie come back to the team, obviously on a very team-friendly agreement. Let's look at this John Feliciano contract. The details of that has come out. It's basically a one-year deal. I know it's reported as like a three-year worth up to $17 million, but it's really a one-year deal that is pay-as-you-go in 2022 and 2023. So Feliciano has very reasonable cap hits in both 2022 and 2023, and the Bills have very reasonable outs of the contract if they want to free up cap space and move on from Feliciano and have very little dead cap accumulation. So Feliciano is back on a very team-friendly deal that gives the Bills a lot of flexibility with it. Mitchell Trubisky, it was initially reported that his deal was one year, $2.5 million. We now have the full details, and there are incentives in the deal that can make it worth $4.5 million. Those incentives are contingent on playing time and the playoffs. Cornerback Trey White, he restructured his deal to create $7.6 million in cap space for 2021. Basically, he gets a $9 million check that converts his salary to bonus, and the Bills get uh, almost $8 million in cap space, so a win-win for both sides there. Tyler Medikavich, we have learned about his contract extension. Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, he tweeted out that Tyler Medikavich contract extension lowered his 2021 cap hit from $3.7 million to $2.95 million. He'll count for $3.25 million against the cap in 2022, but with only $750,000 in dead money if released, his base salary for 2021 is fully guaranteed. So basically, Tyler Medikavich, he's on the team, 100% chance this year, and the Bills have that option for next year. They can cut him and save about $3 million. If not, he's on 
the books for 3.25 against the cap. The Bills also restructured Mario Addison's deal, again, according to Matthew Fairburn. Uh, As part of the Bills restructuring Mario Addison's contract, the 2022 season on his deal voids automatically. He'll have an $8.2 million cap hit this season and a $2 million dead cap hit against next season's cap. So he takes a slight pay cut. He voids the third year on his contract, and the Bills kick $2 million of dead cap into next year's cap. So some trade-off across the board there uh, when it comes to that Mario Addison situation. Also, we have three Buffalo Bills free agents that are now on other teams. Brian Winters has signed with the Arizona Cardinals, and I know that we don't think very highly of Brian Winters based on the player he was for the Bills, but he's got a reasonable chance at a starting gig for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see if they draft somebody, but he might be their starting uh, right guard this coming season. So that'll be interesting uh, to monitor that. And then two former Bills signed with the Jets, tight end Tyler Croft, which I think was a great move for Tyler Croft. If you look at that tight end situation, there's a pretty clear path for him to make that roster and maybe even be like the tight end two or the starter if they don't find an upgrade. So good good on them for for signing Tyler Croft, and I, I wish him well there. I think I think that's a good opportunity for him. And they also signed Delshawn Phillips. Remember this guy, the linebacker? He winds up making the Bills opening day roster last year, and then he got hurt and like missed the whole season, and then the Bills just let him walk. So he's like this like crazy success story as a UDFA that comes out of nowhere and makes the team, gets hurt, and the Bills said, sayonara. He goes and signs with the Jets. So on one hand, it's pretty cool that he made the team last year, but at the end of the day, the Bills have – basically nothing to show for him making the Bills team. And now he's on uh, the New York Jets with uh, their new head coach, Robert Sala. So a couple of Bills and Tyler Croft and Delshawn Phillips, now members of the New York Jets. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We had a lot to catch up on, whether it was Matt Breida or Brandon Powell or all those newsy items we just got to. Today was kind of a catch-up day to get us to square one. I have a fun podcast prepared for you tomorrow. If there's no breaking news, you'll get to hear it. It's a, it's with a guest. It's with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. We did a really fun exercise that if there's no breaking news that we have to spend the entire show covering, it'll be that. Most likely going to do herd mentality on Wednesday, and then we'll see what the rest of the week holds. I have a lot of things lined up, a lot of show concepts planned out. But, uh, you know, you just never know at this point in the offseason if something considerable will happen that uh, changes the plan. So, as I said last week a bunch of times, one thing I do know is that we're going to talk Buffalo Bills football every single day here on Locked On Bills, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you rate, reviewed, and shared the podcast. And I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.